Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Don Marsh. Today we go behind the headlines. And those headlines include the winding down of the Missouri legislative session and the winding up of a special session to consider the future of Governor Eric Greitens. Joining us from Jefferson City are State House reporter Marshall Griffin and political reporter Joe Manis. Hi, guys. Good to talk to you. Hello. Nice to Marshall, let me begin with you. Uh, six hours to go. Would we be looking forward to a flurry of activity this afternoon? Uh, I don't know. I, I think a flurry might be a bit of a uh, stretch today. The uh, House is actually in recess or was in recess earlier and uh, may be in recess for a few hours uh, later on. And Joe's covering that. She'll have more details on why there's a recess, but it uh, but basically has has probably something to do with uh, waiting on the Senate to take some action on some various bills. Um, at this point, it's just it's a waiting game to see how many more major issues uh, might be taken up and dealt with before uh, the uh, six o'clock finale. Joe, this is a little different field this time around, isn't it? Well, yeah, uh, for a couple reasons. Uh, first, um, House Speaker Todd Richardson has made a point of the House packing a lot of stuff at the beginning of the week. So we had a late night uh, almost every night this week, and last night was among them. And so the result is that um, today, Friday, they're just tying up some loose ends. There's a mix-up over a corporate tax bill that they had passed earlier, and the Senate version of the same of the similar bill uh there's a mix-up because they didn't want it to cost any additional state income, and one of the versions would cost $50 million in state income. So they're trying to get it fixed so that the right one uh, finally passes today. So that's one of the reasons for some of these recesses while they work out some details. But as I, as I said, it's, it's like tying up the loose ends. Most of the big stuff they finished up yesterday. Marshall, you mentioned some uh, major pieces of legislation that are still out there. What are they? Well, probably the one, the one that's the most notable would be uh, banning gifts from lobbyists. There's two different vehicles for that. Um, the, the one that was passed by the House way back in January, which they've done the past couple of years in a row, and that was to you know get you know get a proposed lobbyist gift ban out of the House and over to the Senate um, during the first month of the session. Well, that. That uh, the Senate, um, I believe, sometime in late February, early March, uh, amended that bill, uh, kind of loosened up uh, some of the uh, restrictions, and it sat dormant. What the Senate instead did was they came up with what would be a proposed constitutional amendment that would ban all lobbyist gifts, but at the same time, it would also tweak term limits. It would allow, uh, say, a House member or a Senate member to serve 16 years in the same chamber. Um, but that would be it. Or they could serve eight and eight in each chamber, or they could serve twelve and one, four in the other. So basically, um, you know, what, basically the Senate was saying, yes, we'll give you lobbyists, uh, give you a lobbyist gift ban if you loosen up term limits and you let the Missouri voters decide. Well, neither version of that has made it or passed the other chamber, respective chamber, yet, uh, with um, with less than six hours to go. Joe, why do the legislators have so much trouble with legislation like this, uh, dealing with lobbyist ethics issues? Well, part of it um, is because uh, lobbyists play such a major role in the Missouri General Assembly's business. And that's been the case ever since term limits was put in place 
uh, after the 1992 election when voters passed it. There was many predictions at the time that it would lead to lobbyists and staffers being the big powers behind the scenes, and that happened. The result is, is that members of the General Assembly, many of them, not all, but many of them do rely on lobbyists, and as a result, sometimes they're largesse, to get the information they want, uh, to supplement their, their small salaries, um, to maybe set things up for their future job once term limits forces them out. So the result is there's sort of this um, marriage, and uh, they're not sure they want to go through with a divorce. Yeah, it's uh, and this is an issue, obviously, uh, on, on the state level throughout the country, and certainly in Washington as well. Yeah, although uh, there's there are the, the push for term limits, which was really big in the nineties and general assemblies, has sort of waned the last ten years. Uh, and in fact, there's been a couple states where they've loosened them or gotten rid of them. But uh, I don't right now. I don't see where that coming that will come to pass here in Missouri. But the result is that's why in the Senate they're like, yeah, we'll we'll uh, ban lobbyist gifts, but need to loosen up on this other bit. And I think that right now getting the two chambers to agree on it uh, may not happen. It may end up having to be another initiative petition thing to get something before voters, and then that likely will be flawed, like some of the recent ones that have passed that are are, are on the ballot now. Marshall, is that your take as well? Yeah, it, it is. And I think one of the reasons why you see this pushback against term limits is, by lawmakers is because, well, in the words of um, former Senator Tim Green, he said, you know, you have an eight-year term limit in the House, also an eight-year term limit in the Senate. And by the time you get to your eighth year, you're just now figuring out exactly how to do the job effectively. And so once and once you finally got the, the hang of it, you have to leave. And at, at the same time, what you have as well is institutional knowledge of how this building runs being transferred from the people who are elected to do the job to those who are paid to influence those elected to do the job because a lot of uh, a lot of former lawmakers as we know are now lobbyists so that's In, been, go ahead including Joe. tim green <laughs> yeah including tim green <laughs> This this whole notion of uh, you know learning where the men's room and ladies' rooms are uh, has been the argument about term limits uh, since day one, hasn't it? it, it yeah. Yes, it has, and uh, you know it's it, it's I, I think uh, a lot of people are trying to come up with a balance of of how you know they can at least tweak term limits a little bit. You know, former proposals have have tried to you know tweak it a little bit, like say, well, let's have twelve year term limits. Mm -hmm. Or the, or the current proposal. And I'll say this, it, it seems like the idea is starting to slowly catch on. Um, like, you know, it might take several years to push it. You know, you know, right to work took several years before it became law in Missouri. And maybe um, re tweaking term limits or making them more flexible, uh, it might be another, you know, might take another several years to just get that idea out there um, before it could actually happen. And Joe, right to work, uh, another uh, issue this session. Yes. I mean, basically, here's what we're left with. Um, as as our, your li our listeners know, uh, the General Assembly passed right to work last year. Uh, labor unions led a uh, petition drive to force a referendum this year on that law. So that law is now in limbo until the referendum is held. 
The referendum had been scheduled for November. The General Assembly, uh, and yesterday was kind of the last vote on it, they've formally moved it to August. Uh, moving the referendum is one of those things that actually the governor has no involvement. It's totally up to the General Assembly. Republicans admit that one of the reasons they did it was that they saw the referendum as a turnout vehicle for Democrats and that it could help U.S. Senator Claire McCaskill, who will be running for re-election in November. So by moving it into the August ballot, there's a belief that turnout will be less and that perhaps uh, Republicans will have a better chance of blocking the referendum from passing, or or rather blocking, yes, I mean, protecting the right-to-work law. Now, there's there's two ironies to this. One, uh, many of the labor unions believe that they're going to still be able to be influential in August. And B, actually, this move, I predict, will make the referendum issue an influencer in the August primary for county executive in St. Louis County. And that's one of the reasons, I think, why Steve Stinger, the incumbent who's embattled by some other Democrats, um, put out a, he's been endorsed by a lot of labor unions, and he put out some tweets this week emphasizing how he's opposed to right to work and this and that. And his chief challenger, Mark Montavani, is now trying to say he's against right to work, too. But the result is putting, it, putting the right to work referendum on the August ballot will probably make it a big issue in the county executive's race. And I, I don't think that had ever been intended. A, a bit of a tangled web. Marshall, are there any uh, hot-button social issues uh, still out there? Well, um, well, there was one that um, seems to have already died a quiet death, and that was um, medical marijuana. There was a, um, there was a, a effort, a legislative effort, to, um, to legalize uh, you know, medical use of marijuana. Originally, it was just going to be for terminally ill patients. It was later amended to include those with chronic diseases but who aren't dying. And one of the, one of the, arg- the big arguments that the, um, that the supporters of the bill said that uh, was necessary or the reason why it was critical is because we don't know what's going to be in this citizen's ballot initiative that would also legalize medical marijuana. We need to be able to you know, pass it under statute so that if there are issues, we can come back and tweak it in a year's time. Um, but as a constitutional amendment, uh, that would be a lot harder to do if there are major problems in it that, need, uh, that, that we need to go back and fix. What uh, might be considered uh, major accomplishments of this session up to this point? Uh, poss- I would say uh, late last night, um, the Republicans got another uh, tax cut um, sent, to, uh, uh, taken care of, an uh, individual tax cut, not the, not the corporate one that still you know, has some issues or problems, but the, this the cutting the individual state income tax rate uh, did make it out of the House late last night and is on its way to the governor. Um, uh, uh, one of the uh, what could be the lasting legacy of um, the late Representative Gloria Brown, who uh, passed away earlier this year from cancer, a, a bill that she had pushed for years, um, but another lawmaker sponsored this, this year due to, uh, to Brown's health, and that would um, that would uh, authorize. Uh, anti-human trafficking posters in a lot of uh, key public uh, areas, um, like in the airports, train stations, um, uh, you know, restrooms, and uh, in certain parts of uh, of cities that have been known for pros- you know, prostitution arrests and cases. Uh, a, 
a major effort to combat human trafficking, and it uh, got it got passed, and, uh, and I believe the governor has already signed that into law. Joe, has the the scandal involving the governor impacted this session to any great degree? In a couple ways. Uh, first, uh, I want to make clear: um, Governor Greitens has not been that visible in the Capitol, even before all this started, but. But, but since the, quote, scandal began in January, it's become even less visible. And I thought it was interesting. I covered his news conference yesterday that he had uh, on the grounds of the governor's mansion. And here's the Capitol looming behind him. And he's got a few lawmakers on the stand. And it was about a rural biofuels, uh, some money that he was releasing for that. But then he's railing against low-income, uh, the tax credit industry. Um, he's low, He's railing against some of the lawmakers who he believes have been enemies against him. Um, the, the split between the governor and fellow Republicans, it's just been exacerbated. So this week, he's sort of a non-player. Hmm. And traditionally on the last day, the House leadership and the Senate leadership have big news conferences right after every, every, everything's over. And then the other party has one right after that. And then the governor has a big thing. Uh, talks about whether or not he or she likes what's been passed so far or what their thoughts are. So far, I'm not aware that Governor Greitens is having one today. That could be wrong, but I'm not aware that he's doing that. And so he just may either wait or send out a message later in the week. Last year, if you recall, um, a few days later, he decided he was going to send the General Assembly back into special session on some issues that he thought they hadn't dealt with. Um, I'm not sure if he's going to do that this time since they're going to be in special session deciding whether to keep him in office. But, I mean, the point is is that he's sort of a, it's sort of a looming shadow but it's not like he's visible in the halls or um, directly influencing legislation. Marshall, uh, that, that special session begins 30 minutes after the regular session uh, uh, ends today. Uh, do you think any steam has been taken out of this initiative on the part of legislatures because of the legislators because of the dismissal of the charge against uh, the governor earlier this week? No, it, <laughs> it, it, has, not, it has not taken... If it's taken any steam, just a very little bit. Uh, the, the lawmakers that we talked to, and then it also includes uh, statements from um, from House Speaker Todd Richardson and Senate President Pro Tem Ron Richard. They said that what ha- the uh, the dismissal or the, the the dropping of that charge said it will not affect their work at all. You know, they they still have strong concerns about um, some of the testimony and documents that they've seen, um, and they're they're still pushing uh, for that as well. Um, in fact, this week, uh, the, the committee chaired by Jay Barnes has been investigating the governor. Um, I asked for more documents. Uh, they didn't get them all. Uh, they filed a lawsuit yesterday uh, to get more documents from Greitens' legal team, specifically uh, Greitens from Missouri. And uh, about 6.30 last night, uh, nearly 33,000 documents in about 12 boxes were uh, delivered to uh, Jay Barnes' office. Uh, all paper documents, not electronic uh, so that there's, it's um, it's not affected the, the the dropping of the charge. Short, long story short, has not affected um, the the leaders who are 
um, look, continuing to push to look into Greitens' activities. Joe, is that your take as well? Yes. I mean, part of it, as I mentioned before, I mean, most of his most vocal enemies are fellow Republicans. He has not made any friends among Republican leadership. He hasn't from the get-go, and that was exacerbated before all this um, started uh, by the ads that he ran against fellow Republican lawmakers who he disagreed with on this issue or that. So after he admitted uh, the night of the State of the State address in January that he'd had this affair, uh, there were some whispers of defections right then. Now they decided to give him at least a temporary break to see what else came out, but it's been this just this drip drip effect since then. And um, while there are some lawmakers who I think are maybe softening a bit on the stuff involving his uh, affair, there's so much other stuff and some uh, regarding his uh, the secret money that he gets and the use of the donor list from the Michigan Continues charity. There's so much other stuff that um, the dropping of the charge might affect, affect a few votes for, him, for impeachment, but I don't think it's going to affect, um, basically it's not going to affect the train. It might slow the train down a little bit, but the train is still moving down the tracks. Marshall, there was a, a, a session yesterday in which a couple of Greitens attorneys uh, each of whom makes more than $300 an hour, by the way, I read today. Uh, we're trying to establish the ground rules for this uh, session. Have ground rules been established? Do we know anything about that, uh, how it's going to work? No. Uh, actually, the, the ground rules for the uh, special session actually won't be decided until tonight. Um, the, both the House and the Senate will reconvene at 6.30 p.m., and the purpose of tonight's spe- the, the opening portions of the special session uh, tonight, each chamber will set the ground rules. Now, whether those ground rules will will contain recommendations that uh, Governor Greitens wants remains to be seen. And some of those rec- recommendations that uh, the Greitens legal team wants is to to be able to uh, subpoena their own witnesses, to cross-examine them uh, for all testimony to be um, done in public. And that would also include um, testimony from uh, the woman that Greitens had the relationship with, if she were to be, uh, you know, called again, that that would have to be done in the pub- in public and open, which means that her identity would become public. And Joe, clearly the legislators want uh, want the governor himself to, uh, to uh, appear. Yes, I think so. And I think, but as I mentioned, he has not been a major presence in the no. Capitol anyway. He wasn't a major presence in the Capitol before this broke. He traveled a lot. Uh, he spends a lot of time at his house in Innsbruck. Um, there's, it's just, there isn't just a lot of, of uh, inner relationships between he and the lawmakers about what to do. But can he be compelled to, uh, to testify during these hearings? Well, that's session? one of the debates that's going on. Now, his lawyers uh, that Marshall was talking about when they showed up earlier this week, it kind of rankled some lawmakers because they were kind of like, how do you guys come in and tell us how we're going to run things? And I suspect that didn't go over that well uh, overall. Um, I think that the, the thing to emphasize is that Greitens was elected out of a multi 
candidate field of Republicans, where most of the Republicans in the state preferred somebody else. And and then he hasn't made that many friends since he got the nomination, since he got elected, since he became governor. Because he has, he's more of a, you know, he tends to be combative. Uh, he's trying to shake things up, which some people may like. But other people feel like he needs to know a little more before he, so that he knows what to shake up and what to leave alone. But I said yesterday's news conference was classic Greitens, where, where he railed at his enemies. He listed many of, of what he views as his accomplishments. There was a couple lawmakers on stage, but they weren't really saying that much. They were there for the, for the farm part of the news conference. But there was just this disconnect, and I think that's just um, continued. And it doesn't help him that there are many Republicans in the General Assembly who wouldn't mind if the lieutenant governor, Mike Parson, who is a, a former uh, legislator, would end up taking the reins. I mean, now Parsons is being very careful. He doesn't do any of that. Um, he's been presiding over the Senate. He's presiding over the Senate right now. He's being very low-key and very quiet about all this. But there's this undercurrent, you know, I mean, and that doesn't help Greitens. Marshall, I, I mentioned the, uh, the the fees that the lawyers uh, who appeared yesterday were making. I wasn't trying to be facetious because that's a lot of money just for, for two lawyers. He's got a whole stable full of them. Does anybody know how he's paying these people? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess that answers that question, doesn't it? Yes, it does. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What else do we need to know about this uh, special session? We've got about a minute and a half left. Well, um, don't expect a whole lot of activity right away. Like, like I said, the, they, they will convene tonight to set the ground rules, but, um, but the committee still has work to do. So the first uh, thing, obviously things could change, but the, what we're expecting right now is that the, the first week of special session will probably feature the, uh, the investigative committee, maybe holding a few more meetings, some pub, maybe taking some more testimony, um, Todd Richardson did say uh, last week that we can expect uh, the uh, the committee meetings to be more open than they have been. Frankly, they hadn't been open at all until this week, so um, they're so that's something that might change is uh, more open meetings. Uh, the the first full session of the House during the special session might not happen until either the first week of June or probably for sure not until after Memorial Day. And is there is there an end date for this? Uh, it, it's uh, 30 days. It's a 30-day special session, and it will end in 30 days, regardless of uh, what does or does not happen. Uh, they, if necessary, they could call themselves into a second special session, but um, at this point, it's uh, too soon to say whether that's a possibility. Well, you're going to be a busy guy, obviously, for the next uh, good many weeks. Uh, Joe, you too as well. I want to thank you both for being with us and bringing us up to speed on this uh, final day of the legislative session. Thank you both so much. Have a good day. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks to Public Radio reporters Joe Madison, Marshall Griffin on St. Louis Public Radio 90.7 KWMU.